Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I have, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, so I'm going to need you to say it for me, but I have Diana. Did I say that right? Diana. Yeah. Okay. And your last name? Rawl. Now it's Rawl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking <laughs> your, your maiden name. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you and I met, we had, um, we met at Mercyhurst. Um, we had a lot of classes together because we were in the same major and it kind of felt like we had almost all classes together. So, you know, from working on projects together and then doing, being on debate panels together and stuff like that, uh, stayed in touch and, and whatnot. And so we're getting right into it with you. Um, you're, you were born and raised in Honduras, correct? Yes, I was born and raised. What was that like? Like, what was it like growing up in Honduras? That's an interesting question. Um, I guess the best way to explain it is just like, I guess I've had a pretty normal childhood. I will, I grew up watching like American shows and like listening to American boy bands and like everything like American, right? Um, American culture is very ingrained in Honduras. So I grew up like that. And I have a beautiful family. We're all very close. And yeah, that we always saw the United States as like this, aspiration you know the land of opportunities the American dream so that was ingraining me since I was a very like young kid so yeah I guess this goes along with um why I decided to come to the U.S. so we can jump right into it but um I went to a bilingual private school back in Tegucigalpa that's my hometown and it was pretty much just like being in school in America, like everything was in English, all the subjects were taught in English. We had American teachers, same as Honduran teachers, but very American sort of school. So I started there when I was in baby nursery because my my mom and dad worked. So I had to go to school in a way. So I was three years old. I went to this school, it's called Macri's. And yeah, I stayed there until I was a senior in high school. And then I remember, it's kind of funny, but I remember, I was just remembering this before our call. And I was like, how did coming to the U.S. just became part of like the idea, right? And I remember every Friday, my school would send this memo, memorandum, and it would be like news and what's happening in our school. And they had just one huge page about the seniors that were going to the U.S. and where they were going and how many scholarships they were getting. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds like a dream. Like going to these kids are going to Harvard. They were going to Georgia Southern University, et cetera. And, you know, as I told you, I grew up watching all these American movies and the colleges like sounded insane. Right. Crazy. The parties. And I was like, I want that. So that's how the idea started about coming to college in the U.S. since I was a very young kid. What was like uh, from a couple of like the travels I've had and um, going to other countries and like obviously talking to locals and stuff like that. I always find with me personally that I don't want to say foreigners, but people that aren't from America have like a perception of America that is not necessarily true but in a way could be true like I know when I was in Europe a lot of the people I met in Spain um 
we're just like fuck Americans, like you guys are ignorant fucks, like da 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 da. And and it was just and and then like when we were talking with the guys and like we're at the pubs with the guys and talking with them, they're like, oh well, you guys aren't that bad, but everyone else in America seems like a douchebag. <laughs> but and obviously they're saying it in their uh you know their their the lingo, accents. Yeah. And, yes, exactly. So like with that being said, like what was uh like as a kid growing up and even before you got to the US, what was your perception of not America, but like Americans as a whole? I thought Americans were cool, to be honest. <laughs> I was like I looked up to like Americans because I thought they were like hardworking. But because I we would come to like Disney World, like with my parents and I I had been in the U.S. before I came as a student, like before college. So that was definitely different than the perception that other people might have of Americans. I know, and I just, I know this because of like living and breathing in another country, but I know that a lot of people think that Americans are rich and like every American is rich, (laughs) which is kind of funny, right? Because like you and I live here and we know that that's not true. But um yeah, people have that perce- perception that Americans are rich and they have money because, you know, they they have dollars. And I know that also some people think, like, Americans are dumb and kind of dirty. But this is, like, kind of rude for me to say that. But um, some people think that because we, like, in Honduras and, like, Central America and those countries, we have, like, the expats, you know what that is? Like, like Americans yeah. That, yeah Americans that go to live like to another country and they're kind of like hippie-ish mm-hmm. and very like just living through the waves and they don't have like lots of like organization and control in their lives so we're like you guys are bombs <laughs> but <laughs> you know so there's like all different perceptions I think and I thought and I still think of like this like Americans are cool people you obviously find great people everywhere you go, but you also find those the rotten apples here and there. So it's bad to generalize, but that was just my experience. No, yeah. of course. And you were saying that like you thought about like the big parties and, and colleges and stuff like that. If that was the case, I mean, obviously, you know, Mercyhurst is a fucking zoo <laughs> I know. and it's a complete shit show. Like it's, 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 uh, it's, it's kind of funny because like a lot of people will say oh Erie's not a real place or as I always say like the hills have eyes was shot in Erie because of how insane it is as like a, a party town or a little college town but how did you land on Mercyhurst over thousands of the other schools you could have picked that were like household names um with the likes of like Ohio State Florida State Florida Alabama any of those like big time schools how did how did Mercyhurst come about? So when we were juniors and seniors in my high school, we would get recruiters from different big universities, right? Um, Texas A&M, Florida State, et cetera, et cetera, like you name it. And there was a recruiter from Mercyhurst. And actually Mercyhurst is really popular in Tegucigalpa where I grew up because a lot of kids would get scholarships from Mercyhurst like really good scholarships and that would allow them to have a really good experience so I knew older kids before me that had gone to Mercier's so like it was just a name that I I knew about so the recruiter came to the high school he gave us like the whole speech about like Mercier's where it is 
But the funny thing is like he, and I don't know if I, I just didn't hear about it, but he never mentioned where Mercyhurst was, <laughs> like Erie, Pennsylvania. I know he did, but in my head, I don't remember him saying that. So I was like, okay, whatever. So at that point, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, like zero idea. And then I, 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 and I actually remember the speech he gave. He was like, well, you know, if you don't have any idea what you're going to do with your major, we have undeclared majors. We have really cool majors like fashion merchandising, Intel, whatever. And like when he said fashion merchandising, that just like clicked on me. I was like, yeah. That sounds super cool. I can like go be a designer for, <laughs> for Chanel or like this big brand. So it just sounded amazing. So there's that. And then I applied to different schools. I applied to a school in Canada, actually, St. Mary's University in San Antonio, University of Connecticut. And I, yeah, I can't remember, but some somewhere else. I never applied to Mercyhurst until April of my senior year, so very late. I had gotten accepted to one university, but their scholarship was like shit, like a thousand bucks, right? Like nothing. And um, I was like, well, no worries. I'm just going to go to school here in like Honduras. Like I wanted to be a lawyer at that point, so I'll just go to law school. But then my friend, Fabiana, we were in recess in high school and she had gotten accepted to Mercyhurst. She got a really good scholarship. And she was like, why don't you apply to Mercyhurst? Like, I know it's late, but you might get in. So I went back home, called my mom. I was like, hey, mom, I'm going to apply to one last school. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's not the end of the world. She's like, all right, let's do it. So I applied to Mercyhurst, let's say on Monday, right? send everything, send my SATs that were shit, <laughs> shit scores. Uh, foreign students had to do um, an exam called the TOEFL, which is how they measure your English proficiency. And I did really good at that. So I sent that and then that was it. So comes Thursday, the guidance counselor at my high school was like, hey, I just got a call from the recruiter at Mercyhurst and they're thinking about giving you like um, a place there and a good scholarship. He told me the numbers. I was like, holy moly. Okay. It's done. I'm going to Mercyhurst. And that's how I ended up there. Now, uh, what, what was your perception of like, once you got to America and then once you're in college in America and you were finally here, what was your like, did you, how do I want to ask this? Did, uh, was your expectation, did it meet the reality or was it two totally different worlds? Cause when I went to Spain, my expectation of Spain was nowhere near what the actual reality of Spain was. It was way better. So for you, like, what was that like? I had big expectations of what Erie was going to be, not Mercyhurst, just Erie. So, <laughs> and it's funny to say, because actually I have a funny story. So, I had no idea where Erie, Pennsylvania was. Like Pennsylvania to me was was Philadelphia. Like that's it in my mind, right? Because I'm obviously I didn't grow up here. So mm -hmm. we book our flights with my parents. So we did Tegucigalpa, Houston, Houston, Cleveland, and then from Cleveland there was an airplane that was gonna go to Erie. 
So we're in Cleveland. We're about to, you know, get on the plane to go to Erie. We're flying. And I'm looking through the window and I was like, what the fuck is this place? There's nothing. There was nothing. I was like, where am I? What am I into? What am I getting into? Oh, my God. Thankfully, thank God, um, I was not by myself. Like four other kids from my same class came to Mercyhurst. So we were like, this is not what we thought we were signing up for. Because, you know, Erie's obviously not New York City. And in my mind, I thought it was going to be like a New York City. So, <laughs> yeah, we got to Mercyhurst. <laughs> obviously, I, we get to the campus and it's beautiful, right? Like, Mercyhurst is such a beautiful campus. So I was like, okay, I, I can live with this. It's, it's okay. But, um, yeah, I thought I was, and this sounds super dumb right now, but I thought I was going to get into school and there was going to be parties on the street and, like, it was going to be, like, super fraternities, sororities, and it wasn't. You know, we had, like, those, remember, like, the soccer house, the lacrosse house, like, those were, like, the parties that were going on on campus, sort of. Yeah. It's kind of a good thing, though, because if there were fraternities, if there were fraternities or sororities at Mercyhurst, I actually think people would die. I think so, too. Like, people, yeah, like, legit alcohol. I mean, geez, it seems like everyone did have alcohol poisoning every fucking weekend, but, like, legitimate, like, <laughs> that the, the campus would probably burn to the ground if there was legitimate for sororities and fraternities. I think um, so, too, But actually, yeah. I kind of like that there never was. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, like, I feel like now as the more evolved and mature person, I feel like if there were, there were fraternities and whatever, I would have lost myself. Like, I know myself and I know that I would have not even graduated just from partying all the time. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's like when we went to, um, like, the couple times, like, I've gotten to go to Syracuse and um, a couple times we've gone to Ohio State, like those big schools like that that have massive like Greek life and party like that. I, I feel the exact same way. I'm like, I know myself and I would never like not partake and I, school school would not get done. School would not be, I'd probably fail yeah. out if I'm being honest with you. No, I know. Same here. And then, and my dad, when he saw, you know, Mercers in the campus, the galaxy. My parents liked it, but he was like, are there any, like, fraternities already here? I was like, I don't think so. He's like, okay, good. Like, you're coming here to study four years. Like, you need to be done in four years. Like, no bullshit about getting a year off or I'm going to go find myself in Europe and just take off. Like, you're getting done in four years. Like, that's that's it. So I was like, all right, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, that." But because, um, you know, like I told you, we grew up watching all these American movies and American shows and obviously, yeah. like American Pie. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. And my, I guess my dad and I, I did, too. Like we had this perception like college in America is crazy. Like people die <laughs> from alcohol poisoning in the middle of the street. So we, we were like, I guess my poor father was kind of scared, but I guess just coming to the U.S. with like with me and with my mom and seeing that the campus was actually beautiful and nothing crazy like these big party schools really gave him some relief. <laughs> oh yeah, it was probably nerve wracking for your parents too. Like 
because obviously the time difference, you're in a complete different country, completely different schedule. So they're probably worried and sick about you like 24 seven. Now to be able to go to Mercier, so you had to get, you had to apply and get a student visa, right? Correct. Yes. So what, what, how was that? How would you have to do to get that? Like, what's that process like? Um, It's definitely, I would say it's definitely easier than just an average person trying to get a tourist visa or a work visa or something. So you get accepted mm-hmm. into the university first. You have to have that. You have to have an acceptance letter, whether you get a scholarship or not, that doesn't really matter. But you have to show proof that you are able to afford this experience. In that case, it was my parents, right? Because like they, they paid mm-hmm. for a part of school. So yeah, you have to show this. You go to the U.S. Embassy in Tegucigalpa, in my case, and I was like, hey, I have, I want to apply to a student visa. This is, this is my paperwork. This is my Mercyhurst acceptance letter. <clears throat> These are the scholarships I got. This is my parents' bank statements and whatnot. And they're like, okay, cool, yeah, got it, accepted. I know of other people that for XYZ reason, and I think it's more financial reasons, don't get the student visa. So even though they mm-hmm. have an acceptance letter from a university, they can't come. So my experience was really easy. I, yeah, I just told them like I was coming to Mercier's and they were like, okay, what, what's going to be your major in and, and cool. That's it. Like, have fun, <laughs> have fun in America. But that was pretty like straightforward for me. Yeah. Now, what um like, overall before we you know move on to other things, what was your overall looking back at like what was your overall experience of Mercyhurst? Best four years of my life. I think I'm super grateful to Mercyhurst. I'm incredibly grateful to all the people I've met, all the professors. And just overall, the growth I had as a person. I came here when mm-hmm. I was 18. I was this little scrawny girl that had no idea where she was standing. And I graduated, well, six years later, because I did grad school too. A whole evolved person, more mature, more independent. And I'm like really grateful to Mercyhurst. I met the best friends of my life. I've met them at Mercyhurst. I mean, I, I met so many great people and I just learned so much and unlearn a lot of things that I held true. And then realizing that like, okay, no, I'm wrong. Like, this is not what life is about. So I had to unlearn a lot of things. And that was very big on my growth. So what, um, what were some of those things you had to unlearn? If yeah, of course. Things like confidence, like being confident. I guess when I was growing up, I was not as confident. I, I don't know what it was. And just being by myself in a whole different country. And, you know, I wasn't by myself by myself because I have friends, but in the overall picture, I was. So I had to, like, just learn to speak up. Like, it's okay to speak up. It's okay to say when you don't like something or being confident and you know things like speaking up in class or saying your opinions even if it wasn't the right thing to say at the moment but just saying what you thought and just saying like no and that was a big like learning curve for me because I can't say no 
but I had to learn I had to unlearn how to like always saying yes to everything and people pleasing and just stepping up and you know drawing boundaries and saying no I don't like this or no I don't want to do this or no I don't want to take this class (laughs) you know like things like that I had to unlearn a lot and also unlearn a lot of like my own bullshit and the stuff like we can get into too but just yeah like calling out on myself was a big part of that unlearning experiences um you know I'm not perfect and no one is but yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no I I love that you said that it was the four best years of your life because I feel as though anyone that went to that school, they feel the exact same way. Like I've had all different types of people on the podcast so far from that went to Mercier's and they all, I feel like if you enjoyed yourself, that's like a unanimous statement from everyone that it, it is the best and craziest four years of their life. But I was talking to um, one of the kids I did an episode with. He was saying that it's weird because a lot of the people that we went to Mercier's with have, you know, are really, head on in their career and they're doing, you know, making the proper steps that they wanted to make in their career. But it's also just funny because you put us all in the same room or put us all in the same bar. It's just utter mayhem. And it's funny because you look at us and like, we all like in a way have that switch of like, okay, we're going to get completely black out, be full blown degenerates, (laughs) full blown degenerates. But then when they're, then, you know, when Monday comes around, it's like, okay, flip that serious switch right back on and everyone gets their work done. But then come the weekends, it's just utter fucking chaos. So true, so true. Do you remember, like, we would go to Dog Ciders or Bourbon Barrel. And what was the other one? Sluggers or Big Bar? That way. I I wasn't there for Sluggers. Yeah, but, um, yeah, Dog Ciders was, like, the big name. And then that was Saturday. It was just, like, degenerates. Like, it was so crazy. And then Sunday, you would see the same people at the library. And just like cranking, like studying, doing their homework. And I was like, I like these people. <laughs> these people are cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's funny because one of the alumni weekends, uh, the bouncer with the glasses at yeah. Docs, mm-hmm. when we all came rolling up, um, a couple of us like had our IDs like on our forehead and we came walking up and he just looked at us and he was just like, fellas, I don't want to have to throw you out. You guys are alumni now. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Act like adults. <laughs> get in there and enjoy yourself. Yeah, get in there and enjoy yourself. And then sure enough, I'm like throwing ice across the bar at one of my buddies. And he taps me. He's like, my man, come on. You promised oh, me you wouldn't God. be doing this. You did this shit for, he's like, you've been doing this yeah. shit for two years now. Like, yeah, come on, yeah, grow up, up a little. I was like, ah, sorry. I, I'm like, I was just testing. I'm like, I'm just testing your patience. It's all good. But, uh. You were saying that, and we've, we've had conversations about this. You were saying that there was a lot you've had to unlearn. Um, but what is, I mean, I know me and you've had political science classes. So even like in the realm of, you know, politics, real world, you know, money, finance, like just across the board, we won't get into specifics. But what is your take on the whole, like, you really learn the truth of things and you really learn the right way to do things once you get into the real world and it's kind of like everything that you learn in school you kind of in a way have to question and re-educate yourself on what do you think about uh, that 100% truth Um, and I feel like because we went to a small college where a lot of people think the same way 
that would equal you thinking the same way as these people, which is not wrong, right? Like that's what that's what you thought. No, that's not what all. you were educated in. And professors teach you these things and then you hold them as truth. And that's fine. And that works for you when you're 18 through 21. And I feel like big part of my growth was hanging out with people that didn't think like me. And that's where, like, actually you come in, John. Like, I remember you and I would get on these debates, right, and spe specifically about politics. And I was like, John is crazy. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, not even, not even about politics, but, like, my, I hear my mom, my own mom say that to me at least once a day. She's just like, you need to get your fucking head checked because <laughs> you're fucking out there sometimes. Yeah, but it's not yeah. like... I'm trying to stir the pot or be like you no, know, that yeah. guy just to be that guy. It's just like, but yeah, to, to your point, that's funny though, because we are on a lot of things, polar opposite. fucking opposite, Absolutely. but you know, we still are friends, yeah, yeah. which I, which I think is good because you don't see that that much anymore. Usually it's just like, Hey, if, I disagree with you. Not even, not even in politics. Cause I don't want people that are listening to think that no, it's, a political conversation. Not. it's not, but even like there's there's times where we talked about money and finances or you've asked me about like uh, or vice versa about like resume experience. I remember there was a class and you messaged me while we were in class because I was on my MacBook and you're like, you never pay attention. It's so annoying. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't need to. And you're like, yes, you do. And I'm like, no, I don't. This class is bullshit. It's yeah, not and I would anything. get so irritated. And then like we have conversation. Like, you was like, this guy, yes. <laughs> what the hell is his problem? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And And now like now that we're out of school, you know, there's times that you've called me or you've, you know, texted me and been like, Hey, like I learned this from Cody. He thinks the exact same way you do. And I used to think you were out of your fucking mind when <laughs> you would know. tell me these things. Totally. So, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, not to, not to steal your thunder. Cause we kind of got a little off topic here, but I'll let you go back to what you were originally saying. Like that's how, you know, our relationship comes into play. So, you know, I'll let you get back to what you were saying. Yeah. So well, just going back, I I think that because we were in a place that everyone thought the same way, whether it's about politics or socioeconomic aspects of society or just society in general. And then I got out of that bubble, right? Because it's literally mm -hmm. a bubble out in the real world. And then I just started living my life and realizing that not everyone thinks the same way I thought. And just unlearning that, those thoughts and those ideas. And I feel like that's a big part of like our friendship that you were always like so contrarian to everything I thought. And you were always like pushing my buttons, right? We would have these debates about politics, money and whatever, or just like how important a class was. And I was like, John is freaking crazy. Like, honestly, like he's out of his mind. But now that I look back, like at me as a 25-year-old, I look back and I was like, hey, John wasn't that crazy as I thought he was. And no, it's, it's definitely a big learning experience. And I think big part of like my growth was that, just unlearning things I thought were true, things that I was taught in classes, like whether it's my political science classes or just like the general education classes. And um yeah, no, I look back at my 21-year-old self, which wasn't that long ago, and I was like, that was a whole different person. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not her anymore. 
So that's, and that's good. And that, I think that's a big part of adulthood. Like you have to unlearn a lot of things and you can be your 21 year old self forever. No, of course not. I mean, and if I don't, I personally think if you don't have like that personal growth along the way, like you're kind of, I don't, I'm like, this isn't going to come across the way I want it to, but it's kind of like your weight. Like I, like I always felt that if you think the same and are the same as you were at 21, that you were at 25, 26, 27, you just wasted all those years. If that makes sense. Um, Do you remember the model UN we had to do for the international politics class? Uh, Where was that? That was in Cleveland. We had to go to, right? Yeah. Like Akron, some random. Yeah. And I did not fucking, I didn't prepare. I didn't study. Like it was part of your grade and I wanted nothing to do with it. And like, I like people were giving these great debates, great arguments about like, cause it was, it was for, I, I for, would you remember what the topic was? I thought it was like human it, rights trafficking or human rights something. It was that, but so the one, okay. So the one we did in Cleveland was like, we were mo- like UN, mock UN. So we had different committees, right? So we had like food and agriculture, um, human rights violations and et cetera, right? So I think you were in my same committee because I was in food and agriculture and we were debating about um, food deserts in somewhere in the world. But um, yeah, you're, I do remember that you were not prepared. And in my, because I was like such a stuck up sometimes. I was like, I prepared, I followed the rules. I had all these like huge things I was going to say. And I would get so mad at you internally. And like, I, I don't think you know this, but I would get so mad at you internally because I was like, I'm preparing and this fucking guy doesn't prepare. He doesn't care. What is his problem? <laughs> like, he doesn't care at all. And you were like, I don't want to like be here. But Yeah, I don't um, know if you remember, yeah. uh, they gave us a day off and <laughs> I was sitting there in the fucking hotel room just rolling joints for everyone. And you literally were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, seriously, like there's actually something wrong with you. Like, <laughs> We're supposed to be here for an education purpose, like da da da. Like, and I never, I oh never was God. like, this girl sucks. Like, this girl's a bitch. Like, I was just like, she's just, she doesn't get it yet. Like, and and I don't even like saying it like that. It was yeah, just like from, yeah, it was okay. just from like getting into real estate at such a young age and having business mentors. Like from the time I got to college at such a young age, mm-hmm. that I was always learning things that pertain to the real world and. They were always the ones I've talked about this on other podcasts that were like, yo, like, just if you got to get a C to pass, get a C to pass. Like, that's bullshit. That's a waste of your time. That means nothing. Half that shit is outdated. So it's like a lot of the stuff in which, again, looking back on it, like if I was to say to my like, I would slap the shit out of my younger self, like literally like grab myself by the yeah. neck and be like, you're a fucking idiot. But mm-hmm. obviously hindsight's mm-hmm. twenty twenty. But in the moment, I was like, no, you guys are just you guys need to chill you guys need to like relax yeah like, yeah it, like relax this no, shit doesn't like, matter and we, I said yeah. this to you, like nothing matters but everything matters and you, you know exactly what yeah. I mean and you know exactly true. what I mean by that because I know you're kind of on that like wave mm-hmm. of thinking now and not that you need like I don't want people to think the same as me like I think that people I think that there is way too much groupthink, not just in uh politics but just like in every aspect of life it's Yes, everything. And I think that limits. Yes, I do, too, because I think that who they are. I agree, because I I mean, you've known me for probably like four or five years now. And I, I, 
I would assume that you have never been like, oh, John has changed. Like I've always been super authentic. No, and, and I, and that's why I, I keep you as my friend, you know, and I, and that big part of that growth that I went through is just like, you don't need a ton of friends. You need to have quality friends that like push you to be better and, and not to get like all soft, but I actually appreciate you a lot, John, because you don't give a fuck and that's a good thing like I actually come to realize that that's a good thing and you tell things how it is so there's a yeah there's a way you well that's the thing like that's how my family is is like my family like I don't I can't honestly outside of like cheering for the bills I I mean (laughs) buffalo bills come on you gotta love them um but outside of cheering for the bills there is not one call this crazy there is not one thing in any topic of anything that my family unanimously agrees on. We disagree on almost everything, but the way it is, is like, and like my, my mom, my uncle, like all my aunts, they're all very like, like, I, like, for example, like we, my uncle calls it Johnisms, which I know that like you'll laugh at this because I, where he'll say something. And I'm like, that's not true. And he's like, well, it is. And I'm like, no, it's not like you. I'm like, you're smart. You know, I know you don't think that way. Like, you can't be that fucking stupid. Yeah. And I'm not calling him stupid, but you know, that's just how I talk. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no fucking way. That's not true. And he goes, okay, let's hear it. What's your Johnism? Like, what? Let's, let's hear. And it was funny because when we were having dinner, uh, I want to say last month for my aunt's birthday, we were talking about, um, we were talking about something. It had nothing to do with politics. We were just talking about something. I forget what it was. And my uncle's like, dude, will you shut the fuck up already? And he looked at my mom. He's like, you have to listen to this all the time. And she just started laughing. But it's, <laughs> I, I think though, like I give that, that credit to my family because like they've always taught me that there is mm-hmm. a way that you could be no, that you could be no fucks given. You can um, be authentic to yourself. Tell it how it is in a way that doesn't offend people and if you do offend people you can at least have that respect to explain yourself and then be like all right cool I see your point I just myself don't agree with it and I know that there we've had plenty of conversations where like I you know where you know you've raised your voice to me and I've never raised my voice to you but like I'll but you're only raising your voice out of like frustration of like would you stop and I'm like yeah but you're smart like don't don't like you're letting other people think for you like stop like stop trying to agree with what everyone else is doing just like it's almost in a way like I find um which I know you've told me you're not like that anymore but it's it's almost in a way that I feel as though we are so focused on connecting and being liked by other people even if it's people that you you're Mm -hmm. never going to invite to your wedding or like your funeral or some shit like that is that like we're almost in a way scared to be um, an outsider or like we're scared different. to be different yeah. whereas like me I was always like all right that's how my family raised me so like I, I don't know how to be anything else than like who I am yeah no that's so true and I think like big part of like my college experience was wanting to be liked um, wanting to be liked by this group of people by this other group of people and that's not authentic you know that's not who you are supposed to be and then when I stopped giving a fuck about what xyz person was thinking about me was when my like real life change started to happen and 
that's something that I appreciate learning at a young age mm-hmm. because I know that a lot of people don't learn that ever. Mm-hmm. And they just go through life like just trying to please everyone, their bosses, their mothers, their fathers, and they just lack living their true best life. And once I stopped like giving a fuck about what people thought about me, it's when I actually started seeing real positive change in my life in my relationships, in my career, in my, and even in my money too. But that's amazing. And that's something that I credit Mercyhurst part of it because I went through so much stupid crap that by the time I was a junior and senior in college, I was like, okay, enough bullshit. Like let's live an authentic life now because honestly, it's such a waste of time just trying to be like, trying to think the way that the person next to you thinks, trying to fit into this mold of who they think you're supposed to be, but you're not. It's, it's such a waste. And thankfully, I, I learned that, but, you know, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still a work in progress, as we all are. For sure. And I know we had this conversation, but like there's kind of going back to like how you know you gotta stand on your own two feet have your own opinions and even if like no one agrees with you if you believe it you just gotta you gotta like almost in a way die on that hill um because there's a couple kids that I went to Mercier's with that you know I looked at as like best friends like you know like to the point where it was just like they felt like they were like blood when really they're not blood that now I don't even speak to anymore which we're not going to get into why but like I don't even speak to anymore and we don't even we don't talk at all and I was telling Mm -hmm. another friend of mine like how crazy it is that so many of the thoughts I've had and like the things I did it was not because of their approval but they influenced that if that makes sense like I didn't do and think certain things because they were telling me to but based on our relationships and based on our friendship and you know, how, you know, we connected and stuff like that. There were certain things that I would and wouldn't do because I valued their opinion and their opinion swayed me from actually doing it or not doing it. And to come full circle Mm -hmm. and look back to not even have them in my life anymore. It was almost like, oh, fuck, I just lost myself. Now I got to figure out like what I actually believe and what I actually want to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense completely. I I went through that too. And And that's amazing, you know, I think that we're so young still and having that perception now, it's, it's so liberating. Mm -hmm. Without, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, kind of moving along from this, um, after, after you did your four years at Mercyhurst, did you end up going to grad school or did you move to Chicago right away? No. So when I finished undergrad at Mercyhurst, I was so lost. I had zero idea what I wanted to do again and I think I go through that like every four years but um I had no idea what I wanted to do I had this I actually have two bachelor's degree I have a fashion merchandising degree that I've never used in my life until this point probably but who knows um then I also have a political science degree which is the major that you and I like had together and I don't know what it was. I just couldn't find a job. Like every job that I was applying to, I was getting rejected back and forth. So that was like 
and I guess I had like some pressure because the my visa was expiring. So the student visa was up until May 2017, and then you had like three months until you like you know found something to do. So this was like July, and I had like nothing, no nothing at all. So I was so depressed. I was so sad. I would call my mom crying every day. Like, what am I supposed to do? I paid so much money. Well, you know, we've invested so much money at this point. And like, I just felt like such a failure. And then my friend, um, she had gotten accepted into Mercer's grad school, but for education. And she was like, we were driving one day and I was just so sad. And she was like, well, why don't you go to grad school? And I was like, well, at this point, it's so late. Like, good grad schools already send their acceptance, you know, letters. She's like, well, why don't you try Mercy? <laughs> and, um, well, I, I, and then I did, and I talked to the um, director of admissions for grad school. And I was like, I know it's super late, but like, give me a chance. And like, what do I have to do? Like, I'll do it. And then he's like, okay, what are you interested in? And I know data science was like hot at that point in 2017. Like it was just the next hottest career. I was like, I'll do data science. It can't be that hard. But little did I know, it was super hard. Um, anyways, I got into data science graduate program. It was a two-year program at Mercer's. I was living off campus the first year. My second year, I got a graduate assistantship, which paid for everything. Paid for my tuition, paid for my room and board, gave me a stipend. And pretty much I just went for free. Thank God for that because I have no debt at all right now. So it was with residence life and it was the hardest year of my life so far because I was pretty much the police on campus. <laughs> and um, Wait, you were, that's what you did? Yeah, I was a resident director. So I was pretty much overseeing the rest, the RAs. But that was in Northeast campus. That was not an Erie campus. Oh, I was about to say, you can't be a snitch. No. I was, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because, like, I obviously had a college experience where I was drinking when I wasn't supposed to be drinking or getting in trouble or doing whatever. And now I had to, like, call on these kids who are doing the things I did. It was so funny. But, hey, I, it was my job, you know. I had to do my job. Absolutely. Like, that was... Yeah, like they were paying for school. I can't be like lazy about it. So, yeah, I was busting kids for marijuana. For, oh, hypocrite. <laughs> for, like, a, hypocrite. I know, such a hypocrite. Like busting kids for marijuana, busting kids for underage drinking, for smoke. Because like at that time, Mercyhurst became a uh, smoke-free campus. So these kids couldn't have, obviously, cigarettes, but couldn't have those like, um, ay, what's that thing called that looks like a USB? The jewels? Oh, those are fucking stupid those anyways. Super- yeah, they're popular. You know, they were popular or are popular right now. But yeah, that's and stupid. for anyone um, listening that smokes one, I don't care. You're a fucking clown for smoking one. I like all my best. All my boys smoke them, so like, I, it's not like I'm just shitting on them. But like, I tell them all the time. Like, uh, like my buddy Brooks is always like, not Ben Brooks, a, a kid that didn't go to Mercier's, but um, yeah, my yeah. buddy Brooks. Anytime he's smoking it with me, I yank it right out of his mouth and I throw it because <laughs> I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, you look fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> It, they're really bad for you, like not you know to have like uh, like a stick up in my ass, but like, yeah. they're really really bad for you, especially now with COVID. But I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not 
yeah and i give people medical advice yeah who cares? but um <laughs> yeah those like e-cigarettes whatever so i was busting kids for that people like freaking hated me and i oh. don't care and and that's part of it like i didn't care and that was like when it, everything clicked everything that you and i have talked through this past like 50 minutes I stopped caring about being like, I was busting kids for marijuana and they were calling me a bitch, a slut. A, like they were like calling me like different names. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm never gonna see you people again. You don't pay my bills. You clearly don't pay for school. Why should I care if you call me a bitch or whatever? But yeah, growth, you know, hooray for that. So I did that, and then I graduated with a master's degree in data science, which was really hard, but it was really amazing because it opened a lot of opportunities for me. And at that time, I had started dating Cody, now my husband, and he was in Chicago, and I was like, hey, Chicago doesn't sound like a bad place to be. I want to obviously be close to him and, you know, like make this relationship work because we were long distance for that last year of grad school and I moved to Chicago and then a month later I got a job at U.S. Foods as a logistics analyst so yeah that was cool for sure now uh, you I remember you telling me COVID COVID left you jobless right like you got furloughed with your with your job due to the pandemic yeah, it did. So pandemic hit in March. In April, they just pretty much furlough people. So yeah, they furlough people in April. And then in May, they just started like, yeah, uh, laying off people. And then also my visa, expired, my work visa. So I didn't have a student visa anymore. And I had a work visa. My work visa expired in May. But because COVID had pretty much closed everything, immigration services was closed and my renewal was like nowhere to be seen. So I didn't get a work authorization until October, 2020. So those home months I couldn't legally work. Uh I couldn't claim unemployment because I was not a a citizen. And it was really hard. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I know 2020 was hard for everyone, but it really hit me because I was a person that was always uh, like defined by my titles and who I was because of what my, what my work was. That's why I always push so, your buttons. I know. And I was such like, um, what's the word? Like uh, sensitive. Yeah. Like sensitive to that because like I was defined by being you know when my younger years being a daughter and then being a friend and then being a student and then being a grad student and being a resident like I was always defined by what I was doing in my career that's why I took it so seriously you know those like model (laughs) UNs because like I actually care and I loved rules I thrive on rules and I still do, but less than who I was in college. And you know that's polar Although, opposite of me because I fucking hate rules. Exactly. I think rules exactly. are rules are there to be Stupid. broken. Yeah, I think rules are meant to be broken. Yeah, and you know I loved it. I I actually like follow rules. Like that's just who I am. You know, that's just yeah, like, and that's like, not a bad how thing. I'm wired. And it's not bad. It actually has gotten me far. But um, what was I saying? So yeah, I was always defined by who I was, and then having that stripped away from me was really hard and 
I was actually reading not like a couple months ago, uh, Man's Search for Meaning from Dr. Frankel. Have you heard of this book? Yeah, he was the, uh, was he, was he, was he Jewish or was he Polish? He was Jewish. He was a, psych- a Jewish psychiatrist okay. that um, lived through the concentration camps in uh, probably Poland, but yeah. And he, at the, I think at the beginning of his book, he talks about how this uh, Jewish pris- prisoner under the Nazis, he was, you know, very, this whole uh, professional and he was, you know, probably a doctor, or professor or some, something like that. And then he was telling the Nazis, like, you can't imprison me. I'm this professor. I'm this person. Like, I'm. I'm defined by my titles. And then the Nazis like shot him, like, like you know, not shot him like with a gun, but like, like grabbed his paperwork and threw it on the floor. And he was like, well, now you're nothing. And that like, you know, you can't compare obviously the suffering of the Jews in like the concentration camps, but just that analogy when I was reading it hit me because I was always so defined by what I was doing that when I had nothing, I didn't know what to do. I had no job. I had no prospects of a job because I couldn't work legally until my uh, my work permit came. I had no money at that point because like, my savings, you know, were were pretty much down. But yeah, diminished. Diminished, and then I was like, "Who am I?" And you know, it sounds so silly right now because you know, everything everyone went through something during the pandemic. But it was, it was crazy. And I was living with Cody and um, thank God, bless his soul. He was a great support. And then my parents, even though they're abroad, they were amazing support. But I just had to like grab my pants and do something about it. So yeah, that was definitely hard. Was the, um, almost lost my train of thought, was... Because I know, like, we talked when you were talking about how you started your, like, side hustle for, like, the candle business because you were just like, I got to do something. So I'm just going to start doing this. And I know before we get into it, you called me last week because you're thinking about getting into real estate now. So do you think that, I mean, obviously the pandemic wasn't great on anybody, but, like, looking at it from a growth standpoint, do you look back now and think to yourself that, wow, like... I, I could have gone without the pandemic, but like the lessons learned through the uh, dark times of the pandemic, they, I needed those lessons to open my eyes to like, okay, th- there's a bigger picture here. Um, there's more to life than just working a, a job with benefits, getting, you know, two weeks off every year. Like I actually kind like your, your job is never guaranteed. Even, even though some mm-hmm. people think that it always is, it's, it's not like that's not just bullshit. Either. You're spoon fed. But did that kind of open your eyes to the whole, like, wait a second, this may happen again. I hope it doesn't. But if it does, I need to build something for myself that is potentially recession slash furlough proof. Um, Mm -hmm. Or did you not have that mindset and you went somewhere else? Like, what are you like, what, like, what was your like whole perspective shift and mindset from all that? I had that perspective before the pandemic. So I have my, I have my first job at U.S. Foods. I'm working this regular nine to five job. I had benefits. I have a 401k. I had two fucking weeks of vacation. Like that was it. And I was just sad, miserable all the time. And then, you know, Cody, my husband, he 
he has his regular day job, but he also has a side business that he's been growing for 10 years and now it's just taking off like life of its own. And I admire that so much and I admire, you know, people who are like that. So I was like, okay, I could do it, right? But what do I do? <laughs> and I feel like that's a big question that a lot of people have. Like, okay, I want to start a business, but I don't know what. So yeah, so I got, I had those thoughts when I had my first job out of grad school, pandemic hits. I, you know, obviously had, went through what I went through, but I'm so thankful for everything that happened to me in during the pandemic, because it made me appreciate what you're saying. Like, you're not guaranteed a job. Pandemics happen, wars happen, whatever, furloughs, depression, everything could happen. And you need to be prepared for that. And now that, you know, I'm married and I'm starting a family someday, now that's my motivation. Like, it's not just about me anymore. It's about my family and providing for my family. So that was a big wake up call. And I've, you know, I've shared this with Cody and he's always so supportive about like, yeah, you should because fuck living a nine to five job, sitting on your ass for nine hours, 10 hours a day, because then it's 30 years down the line and you're still in the same place that you were. We were actually having, having a conversation about this this morning. And I was just thinking about, you know, I was like, hey, Cody, you know, I'm thinking about previous bosses that I've had they're like and you know not to call on them like I think they're amazing but they're old as fuck and they're still (laughs) working the same job they've had for the past 30 years that's not how I want to live and I'm not talking shit about people who have nine to five jobs I think it's great but that's there's more to life than that and that's a big lesson that the pandemic left me with but yeah so I called you last week and last week and I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about real estate and how that came about was um, we have a friend here in Chicago and he's a big real estate guy. And he, like, I see his Instagram stories. I'm like, does this guy even work? <laughs> but <he> has- <laughs> I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but cause I want you to continue what you're saying, but it's funny because I hear shit from all the time from friends' parents, like, yo, when are you going to get a real job? And I'm like, mm-hmm. you need a real job? I'm like, what the fuck is a real yeah, job? Yeah, what's like, a real someone job? someone tell you yeah. what to do? And nah, not for me. But um, it's funny, and even my friends will say shit to me all the time. Like, my buddy uh, was ta- was saying to me the other day, he's like, dude, he's like, or even, not even the other day, like, I had, uh, I was at a friend's birthday party last night. Well, birthday party slash barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a good friend of mine. We've been friends since we were 12, so um and it was it was good to see like a lot of the kids that I went to high school with um, that were in our like, you know, like prom homecoming group. So yeah. it was good to like, you know, kind of see all those um, guys and girls. And and we were just I was talking to my one buddy and he was just like, dude, he goes, do you hate doing real estate? Because it seems like you work every single day. Like you don't you don't have an off day, do you? And I said, no, I said it's a business that's 24 seven. And he was like, dude, I would fucking hate that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but would you, though? And he's like, well, you have to be making a killing because you fucking are traveling all the time and doing everything all the time. And even like prior to pandemic, um, the kid I lived with in Denver, 
how that came about was I was in Myrtle Beach with my grandparents, my mom, and I posted a picture of the sunset on my story and he DM'd me and he's like, dude, do you actually work or do you just travel for a living? And I was like, oh, don't hate me. I'm like, don't hate me, but um, I'm moving to Denver in a couple months. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? And, and I was just like, well, yeah, dude, I was just like, look, I said, yeah, I'm able to do whatever I want whenever I want because I make my own schedule. But at the end of the day, it's just like, I I also do that because how hard I work during the week. And my one buddy last night was, I was sitting there. Everyone's at like, everyone's on the patio. I'm kind of off to the side. They have a big yard. I'm like off to the side, like under the tent. And I'm sitting there by myself, just drinking a beer, smoking a cigar, like minding my own, minding myself. And he comes over to me and he's like, how often do you do this? And I'm like, do what? And he's like, you just sit alone with your own thoughts all day. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's not all day. We've been here for probably a couple hours, I said. But uh, I said, there's just things that are massive priorities to me. And I don't stray from that. And mm-hmm. I like traveling and always doing stuff is a b- big priority to me. And I said, spending time with myself, like even if it's 10 minutes a day. And he was just like, well, you know, I, I with my work schedule, it's so hard. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, but yeah. it's not hard, though. I'm like, it's yeah. not hard. I said that you know how much time you probably sit and watch Netflix? Not saying that it's bad. Don't do that. But I'm just saying that like at a certain point, um, like if you, you have to make like, and I know that you feel the exact same way and you haven't touched on it yet. And you know, this is more so Cody's influence on you is that it's just like, you have to make a list of things that are non-priorities for yourself. Mm -hmm. So the one girl I had on Kelsey, um, she's a bad bitch. She's a badass. She's doing so much shit in life. And mm-hmm. it's funny because she was saying that a lot of people, you know, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because it, it's it's outside the norm of what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And she works out religiously. Like, I think she works out like two hours a day almost. And it was mm-hmm. funny because when I had her on, I was telling her how, you know, not naming names, but a, fr- a mutual friend was saying like, oh, Ke- you know, Kelsey's going to be in for a rude awakening because once she hits the real world, you can't work out two hours a day. And she even said, she goes, well, tell that person, thank you. Cause I still work out two hours a day and I work, she's <laughs> like, I work three different jobs. She's like, I got my main job and then I have two side hustles. Yeah. And so it's, you know, kind of like, would love to have you comment on it. It's kind of like, um, like I said, it's just like, yeah, you're working nonstop, but at the same time, like you don't have anyone telling you when to be at an office. You don't have anyone telling mm-hmm. you when to show up when you can. So it's like, I mean, it's been raining, but I, tomorrow, Monday, if it wasn't shit and rain out right now, like I planned on having an 8 a.m. tea time with uh, with my uncle and then I don't have and then I moved my meetings. So I moved my meetings and morning calls and shit like that. to like noon, one o'clock. And it's like, why can't I do that? Who's yeah. stopping me? I'm still making money. Um, so like, what's your thought on all that? Oh, no, I loved it. And I think big part of that is because now that I have a family. I want to spend time with my family mm-hmm. and that's a and you know someday I'm gonna have kids and I want to be present to those kids I want to be mom was like with me all the time and I don't want to be stuck in a desk away from my family I really don't want that so that's a big part of that and um going back to what I was saying yeah we have a friend here in Chicago and we always ask because I, I think to myself like does this guy even work but he's the hardest worker I've ever seen and he's doing really well and he's in real estate and then his wife is getting into it and Cody was like hey is that something you would be interested in and I've told you this that um Cody's family is very big on real estate and you know like yeah like 
it's not something I've thought about it, but I guess if I talk to people that are doing it, maybe, you know, it interests me or something. So yeah, I talked to you because you were the first person that I, that I know of it's doing this. And then his grandfather is in real estate. His uncle's in real estate. So I was like, this is just going to fit in perfectly with the lifestyle that you and I want to have. So yeah, we've been learning. We've been reading a lot. We're going to move to Las Vegas in June. So it doesn't make sense right now to start getting the license. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to wait until we get to Nevada. We're settled and just start, start doing it. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. It's definitely out of my comfort zone because I don't like talking to people if I don't have to. <laughs> I'm like, I'm oh, actually yeah. kind of actually kinda shy in a way. Like, like it's, it's funny because Cody's so outgoing and he talks to everyone. And even if he doesn't know them, he's like best friends with them in a second. But I, I'm not like that. I'm more reserved. I like, I'm actually a good listener because of that, because I don't, I'm not a big like, talking person I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of shy in that but um it's gonna be so out of my comfort zone but that's what life is just getting out of your comfort zone that's when where real growth happens and I'm excited I think it's gonna be a huge challenge like you and I have talked about it um I'm obviously gonna struggle in some ways but that's 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 okay that's good that's part of it like it's part of learning it's part of experiencing new things so We'll see. Yeah, I'll keep you in touch with that. Well, the thing that's nice about it that I definitely can foresee you liking is, and we kind of, I already said this to you, is that once you start to get initial success with it, it's almost like you kind of don't want to use that time to travel and do shit. It's like you want to keep working more because you're building a bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger cushion. Like I was telling... um, some friends last night because they were asking me about like because there was a couple girls that were like hey i'm thinking about getting my real estate license like what's it entail and i was telling them and i was telling them basically basically like how i do it is that it's like i sell what i need to sell for the year to pay like pay my bills pay my expenses then uh the additional houses after that i go okay how much more do i need to sell so that if the following year i don't sell a single thing I still have money to travel and do whatever I want and my bills are paid. Then after I reach that number, now all the extra money that I'm making goes strictly to investments or paying for courses or, you know, educating myself and Mm -hmm. and, and more growth. So it's like, in a way it's like one, or at least for me, it's like now that I, you know, have been on that and that's what I continue to do. You become more fatuated with like growing that cushion because there'll be a time like I know my my buddy um I've had a couple buddies that have been like yo like you want to come here like you got to book your flight and let's go and like I'm like yeah say less and I'm there and the nice part about that is it's like I don't like I don't need to check with anyone like I have a broker like I have a broker that I report like I don't report to but you know we have weekly meetings and then like anytime I do a sales contract and stuff like that I send it over to him and he's like a mentor to me and he, he you know it was kind of like my boss from afar but it, it it's funny because I I say to him sometimes I'm like oh I think I'm gonna go here and he's like dude stop telling me I don't care what you're doing just go do it yeah. and he's just like and if you need people to cover you for a showing you might have to hire an assistant which okay that's on you like I'm not paying for that shit mm-hmm. so it's it's cool because you get freedom but at the same time like you are working 24 7 like before we hopped on i was i was 
I was showing houses. Like I, I was out last night, probably till like one or two. And then I was up at, you know, seven 30 this morning, went to the gym. I came back home and was showing houses until probably about one. And then I called you and now we're on a podcast. So it's like, yeah, yeah that could be a lot. But at the end of the day, you do get the, the freedom of, okay, if I don't want to go to work tomorrow and I feel like fucking golfing all day, that's what I'm going to go do. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's so invaluable. It's, and I've told you this too, that it's not, it is about the money, but it's more than just the money. It's about the freedom of being able to be present to your family, to your friends, to your own self. Like just, I don't want to slip away in a desk for the next 30 years of my life. That's 30 years. It's not, it's not a short amount of time. And that really motivates me to make a change. And I think Mm -hmm. that, um, we're gonna do it um we're actually it's funny because we actually bought this um game it's sort of like monopoly but it's from uh rich dad poor dad's um public publication publishing house from robert uh-huh. kiyosaki and it's called get out of the rat race that's the name of the game so cody cody bought it and we were playing it last night and we actually learned so much just like you know, making balance sheets, uh, how to get out of the rat race means like how to get out of your nine to five sort of thing and how to like live your best life, right? And it's a game, but that actually inspired us to make changes. And, you know, he's already so ahead of the game, but for me, it's like, I am just starting. So like, let's do it. And like, we're going to do it together. And I think that's like very important for me. So definitely excited well yeah and i just want to make one like clarification um is that we're talking very entrepreneurial business owner but the thing that and we'll kind of you know lead into this next is that from as i'm sure you know all the financial education that you've gotten after college and you know that you know you've learned from cody or like you've asked me about which i learned from mentors i don't ever like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, I just repeat what like other people say. And then I <laughs> yeah. do my own independent research to make sure that they're not feeding me dog shit. But um, it's almost in a way, it's crazy too, because a lot of people like you don't, you can work a nine to five job and still create financial freedom. And because uh, the one book I was reading, uh, The Everyday Millionaire, and it's uh, a guy named Chris Hogan, and he works with Dave Ramsey. He was saying that 90% of millionaires are people that work nine to five jobs and get um, good benefits like teachers and stuff like that. And that it, the, the mishap in the education on money is the personal finance aspect of like, they're like, that is good for you can get a lot of debt And like, and just a lot mm-hmm. of like, there's, I mean, I know, you know, this, which is kind of leading into our next thing is that, uh, cause you said that you went and met with an accountant and, um, a CPA for a couple of Cody's businesses. And I remember you called me and you're just like, John, like, there's so much bullshit that they teach you in school that so like much. Yeah. that it's just like, if I would have known this, then like I would have been able to handle my money better. And it's mm-hmm. like, they, they, it's almost in a way like they kind not, I don't want to say the system, but, or like the government, but in a way, whatever that thing is, it's like trying to keep people like stuck in that, like that, that, uh, I don't even know how I want to say this, like yeah. stuck where they are. So they, they can't advance in a way, if that makes yeah. sense. It makes sense. And like, yeah, I'm not trying to talk shit on people who work a nine to five job. I work a nine to five job and yeah, absolutely. that's it, you know, but um, yeah, we went to meet with um, Cody CPA and he actually did my taxes too, because we, we filed jointly um, as a married, married couple. Mm-hmm. And um, 
yeah, he was just talking, you know, about tax incentives and tax credits. And I was like, holy shit, like if I would have known this when I was 18, 19, 20, I would be so ahead right now. <laughs> but, you know, it's okay. I I didn't know, but I was- Better late than never. Yeah, prioritizing partying and getting drunk and just going, you know, with the flow. But um, yeah, better late than never. At least, you know, learn it now than 30 years down the line when you're about to retire and you have like nothing on your name. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely good. They don't teach you this stuff in school, and I don't know why I don't have the answers. I well, we we know why. Yeah, we know why. We, we, but I don't think yeah, we, we, we should why, say it in yeah. this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, and we're not going to get into it. But uh, well, that kind of leads into like the next thing I wanted to ask you before we like we wrap up the we wrap it up is that yeah. if you were and I this is like a new question I've been asking people if you were in charge of a school and you were and you were the one writing the curriculum based on things you know now in the real world um and I I don't want to say like if you were teaching a life school how about that like Mm because obviously you know for me I'm not going to be teaching biology or any shit like that even though that's very important it's just that's not what's on my mind so if you were teaching a school about life what would you what would the curriculum be for that for that school it could be one thing it could be five things it could be as much as you want but like what would be the core curriculum for diana's life school it would be two things it would be leadership skills um Mm -hmm. being confident having self-esteem that's big important thing that i would teach why because i feel like you can teach as many sciences as you want you can teach whatever and then these kids get out of school and they like know nothing. They have no confidence. They have no self-esteem. They go out into, into the world and they get like screwed over because they don't know how to like say no or set boundaries or leadership, right? So that would mm-hmm. be big. Leadership skills, confidence, self-esteem, and then personal finances, how to save money, why it's important to save money. Because I feel like you know, when we're kids and we're young, they tell us like, save money, save money, but they don't tell us why. You know, we grow up, obviously we know why, mm-hmm, but yeah. like we, like from a young age, we need to teach kids like, why is it important to save money? Why is it so important to not be in debt? How can we escape debt? Because, you know, there's like sometimes debt is inevitable. Not everyone mm-hmm. grows in the same backgrounds that you and I have you know, grown or being raised at, but um, sometimes debt is inedible and that's okay. But just trying to not be in debt, how can you stay out of debt? So that that would be a big thing because I've seen so many people just committing suicide over debt and sounds so horrific and sad, but it happens. And credit card debts, loans, stuff like that, it's just so horrible what it does to people mentally and physically. So that would be a big Diana's life lessons at her school. Now, um, another thing I wanted to ask you as well, you told me that obviously you grew up in Honduras. You're not originally from the United States. Uh, You moved here. You've been here. You've been able to travel Asia. You've been able to travel South America. You've been able to travel Europe. Um, You pretty much have been all over the world. So one thing that I kind of got me into like the love for traveling and meeting new people was the simple fact of that everyone is different. Everyone has a complete different perspective and outlook on life and like the world as a whole, but somehow, some way we still are all connected. 
So it, it sparked curiosity in me to like try to meet as many people as I possibly can while I'm still here and experience as many places as I can. And from my travels and how many different people I've met and stuff like that, that's uh, kind of how this part of the reason that this part podcast kind of got sparked. But outside of that, like it's really, really like I would say opened my opened me up to being extremely open minded mm-hmm. in a lot of situations, which I know back to like you telling me I'm fucking crazy. um, (laughs) That was something that I was trying to get across to you is that it's just like, yo, I'm not like, it's not that I don't, it's not that I'm against hearing something. It's just that like, I want to know exactly the purpose behind it and how it correlates. If not, I think you're full of shit. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, all the travel experiences you've had, have you, has there been any specific experience or anything in general that's really like you know shifted your perspective or opened your eyes up to like how insignificant like we really are as humans on earth yeah um I guess I can't tie it to one specific travel experience but just like overall lessons that I've had from all the experiences I've had nothing matters Like, but mm-hmm. all, everything matters, like you, like you have said before. I think as human beings, the way we connect is like we have, we all have one goal is to provide for our families and be happy. And we're so fed with bullshit all the time. Like, especially now with social media, cancel culture, um, whatever, you know, we're so fed up with bullshit. And then I feel like all my travel experiences have taught me just like go back to basics. The, everything that matters is your family and your happiness. That's it. Mm-hmm. That, that's the big thing. Like clothes don't matter. Um, shoes, having the latest iPhone 12 or something like that doesn't matter. That's all material. We're going to die someday and that stuff is going to be here. It's going to rot in wherever. That, that doesn't matter. And I feel like that has been a big part of like all my experiences, just not traveling, but just living here in another country. It's It's been good. And I feel like as I've grown, you know, in age and in maturity and everything, I've gotten back to the basics of who I am. And that's family, faith, and just work, like hard work, providing for my family. That's a big, important part of all the experiences I've had traveling and traveling within the U.S. and traveling abroad. And I appreciate that. My parents were always very open about traveling. Like, we didn't grow up, like, being rich or anything. We live a pretty normal life, but we, well, my parents always emphasize prioritizing education and traveling because that makes you a well-rounded individual that's going to be able to talk to anyone and it's going to be able to hold the conversation and that sounds stupid in front of people. So that's something that I appreciate my parents for like teaching me. And, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing. Um, I think the biggest travel experience that I still remember, I was five or six that I went to Israel with my mom. And we went to Jerusalem. And we are big on faith. I grew up Catholic. And that's something that pushes me to be better, supports me through good times but especially through bad times and yeah we went to all the holy sites and all the places you know where Jesus was crucified or where Jesus died and that was so like 
impactful in my life that I really thank my mom for taking me. But yeah, you know, it just goes back to family. That's all that matters to me. Family, working hard and being happy. That's it. It's that, that's all I need in my life. And at this point, I was just telling Cody, like, I don't want to spend money anymore. So I don't need anything. <laughs> Everything. Well, shit, if you don't want to spend it, you can give it to me. No, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't need anything. <laughs> no, I, I have mean. everything. I have yes, an amazing yes, family. Absolutely. I have a beautiful family that I've gained through my marriage with Cody. And mm-hmm. I have my husband. I have my, my parents, everyone that I want to have is with me. And that's all I need. So all my experiences have taught me that. Just going back to basics. Just going back to who I was as a kid and just being happy. Well, that leads us, and I love all that, and that leads us to the very, very last and final question, okay. which I ask everyone. Um, if you, and you might have already said some of the things. So if you could meet your younger self, the oldest that you are is 18 years old, but you can meet your, you can meet younger Diana um, based on, you know, everything you've experienced in life so far, all the lessons you've learned, all the hardships that have turned into lessons, because like my man Jay-Z always says, no L's, just lessons. Yeah. What would be, what, what conversation would you, would you have for yourself and give advice to yourself on to carry with you moving forward in life? I would tell myself to stop trying to be liked by everyone and everything. Be your own true self and that the people who would really love you and care for you would love you because of who you are and not who you are trying to be. And I would also tell myself to save money because I'm like, that would be a good lesson for me right now. Like just if I would have started saving money from since I was really young, I would be like ahead right now, but Hey, that's okay. Better. Learn. Well, save to invest, not just save. Yeah. Make your money work yes. for you. Yes. Yeah, totally. But yeah, that's what I would tell myself. And I guess one last thing is like, just be happy and be your own authentic self without trying to impress anyone or, or your whatever, just be your own self and people will love you for who you are. I love it. I love it all. So thank you for doing this. I know you're extremely busy with all the shit you got going on. And then, you know, the, the moves you're going to be making yeah. potentially out West. Yeah. Fucking life's going, life's going a hundred miles an hour for you. So, you know, I do greatly appreciate you taking out the time to do this with me and uh, hopping on here and, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be in touch soon. And oh, I mean, sure. if you're, yeah. you're on Vegas, I, you I have mean, to hey, come. Yeah. We'll have so I much mean, fun. I, Vegas scares me because I just <laughs> I would be a loose cannon out in Vegas and I'm not even gonna hide that. Like I would probably for, well, first of all, I'd probably get some poisoning because of fucking how pale I am and how hot it is. Yeah. And second of all, it'd be a mix of like alcohol and some poisoning. So who who fucking knows, you know? Oh my goodness, but, it would be a shit show. But yeah, you you <laughs> are always welcome to come visit. We're gonna be there in June, so we'll probably start getting settled around August, September, but Thank you for having me and for inviting me. I was actually super excited to be here because I've never done this. Um, yeah, and I really appreciate nothing crazy. Yeah, I really appreciate this and I appreciate you. So thank you for that. Of course. And I told you, as soon as the Vegas opens up UFC fights again, I'm coming for a title fight. Yeah. Even if I have to go solo dolo. I'll, but... No, I'll go with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll have fun. Yeah, you got to get and we'll grab Cody too. Is, yeah. he a, is he a UFC fan or no? 
No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But wait, we can become UFC well, fans. It's fun. Yeah, it's I it's. I asked uh, my one buddy's dad if he was a fan of it, and he was just like, no, because it's just so barbaric. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's why I watch it, because it's fucking crazy that those people do that shit. Just, like, that's how they make their money. And, like, I don't care what anyone says. Those dudes that do that shit for a living at that level, they are fucking savages. Like, they are just, they're built different. They're just a different breed. Yeah, they're wired differently. So, no, I'm excited. Yeah. And I like all the shit talking, like McGregor, <laughs> some of the shit McGregor says, I'm like, yo, you are out of your fucking mind. He's out of his mind, that's why we love him. <laughs> yeah, so, well, hey, I greatly appreciate you doing this, and um, yeah, I'll get this uh, I'll get this chopped up, edited up, and um, I'll have it up, I'll probably say within the next hour or so. Cool, yeah, I'm excited, thank you.